Hi, welcome to NDE TV. I'm Peggy Robinson. Today's guest is Trapper Jack. And when I think of you, I think of the um, phrase in the movie Fools Rush In, where he tells the girl, like, you are everything I never knew I always wanted. Ah, <laughs> uh, I just want you to know, Peggy, you complete me. <laughs> I'll throw in my own movie. Okay, there you go. I don't think I saw that movie. I don't think I saw My brain that. works in movie clips. <laughs> and our next one will be from that great Clint Eastwood film. Okay, I, I, Unforgiven. <laughs> and you're also in Ohio. You're around Cleveland? I am. Yeah, that's where I'm I down, was. Uh, I did morning radio here for 25 years. Yeah. I'm down Southeast Ohio. Oh, where are Marietta, you? Athens. Oh, that's a beautiful area. It's fabulous. Okay. So, um, would you like to introduce yourself? You probably do a better job than I could. I don't know. I are. I'll, I'll speak more gooder <laughs> since I am a trained professional. Uh, I are Trapper Jack, a real name Philip Keller, a radio guy for 40 years, last 25 here in Cleveland. Uh, let's see. Uh, raised Catholic, left the church pretty early on for about 30 years because God is a bore. Uh, he's vague. He's distant. He's out there. He's not talking to me. What brought me back? I found out he wasn't boring. I found, I found out that um, everything that you read about in the Bible is still happening today. Angels doing stuff, uh, encounter stories, divine intervention, prophetic dreams, visions, near-death experiences, all to me are signs that there's something else going on. And once, uh, about 20 years ago, uh, I just, I got led to people, places, and things that I, I started seeing all the miracles and that prayer had an impact started looking at uh, in within my own faith uh, like the, the science within the our lady of guadalupe image we can talk about that if you want to uh or eucharistic miracles and what happens to the bread and the wine that scientifically has been shown and so i just i just i got seduced <laughs> peggy i just i got seduced and then what really kind of set me on the path i'm sitting in this office and i'm here and i'm i'm witnessing just a lot of miracles and encounter stories. I'm talking to people. I'm talking to people who've had these amazing things happen. Um, I, I've, I see the before and the after, but I, I, you know, I'm legally blind, and so I'm, I'm, I don't seem to be getting my big miracle, but I'm watching others get their miracles. I'm, I'm kind of looking up going, what are you doing? What are you doing? And so I had a Bible in here. I could see a little bit better then. I had these big magnifying glasses, and, and I just grab the Bible. And I think I'm inventing this. I think I'm the first person to think this up where you just stick your finger in the Bible, like, you know, answer my, answer my question. Uh, obviously, the Bible roulette. So I think I, so it's an 1100 page Bible and I just flip it open. And I, my question is, what are you doing? What, what's going on in my life here? And I just, and I ended up on Psalm 40, which is basically, I cried out to you, God, and you stooped over and plucked me out of the muck and put me on firm ground and steadied me and put a new song in my throat for others to hear and be affected by. That actually is my life. There's no Bible verse that comes even close to that. When, it's, when it says, I cried out to you, I had. I had sent up a prayer a few months before saying, I don't know what I'm missing, but you do. I was miserable. I'm home. I'm here in the house. I'm crying. I, I don't know what I'm missing, but you do, and just threw it up there. And, uh, and it was answered. And like I say, a few months later, I'm being directed differently and I'm starting to see the reality of what he's doing. And that he, and that he's talking to me. He's talking to you, Peggy. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the world. He's shooting off flare guns and we're missing the conversation because God doesn't just speak in scripture. Most people aren't reading it. Most people aren't going to church. Most people are just out there. So you better be able to get their attention in other ways. For me, I could look back on my life and, and realize that my birth announcement is not a coincidence. 
my mom sent dad out to get the card. He comes home and uh, it's a baby holding a microphone. And the words, <laughs> a new voice is on the air. I mean, coincidence. I mean, the, I mean, he could have picked the one right next to it, the card that has the baby holding the toilet plunger. But no, he's got the one with the microphone, you know, otherwise I'm in a different line of work and we're not talking. So, um, you know, those kinds of things, I started thinking, wait, that wasn't a coincidence and that's not a coincidence. And I started and then just, or, or even like the, the opening up the Bible, that's not a coincidence. These aren't coincidence. This is how God speaks. He speaks in burning bush. You know, he speaks in manna from heaven and miraculous healings and angels and all that. So, uh, so I got excited. I just felt like I was seduced realizing the angels who are all over the Bible, you know, aren't living off uh, 401ks in the villages, you know, in Florida, they're still here. And uh, then it got really, really exciting. And I started talking to people and doing podcasts and, you know, things like this and talking about it. Okay. Sure. You pause. I'll, you I'll pause. I don't know if there's <laughs> questions in there you want to throw in. Otherwise, I'll just keep rolling along. Yeah, keep I, on going. People love to hear my guests talk. They're sick of hearing me. <laughs> oh, not so. Well, we're going to get you a microphone, Peggy. We're going to figure out how to hook you up with a microphone. We're, okay. you know, we were talking beforehand. We're going to do this. Um, because uh, you're already beautiful. I know that's a blind guy. And I and and you and you share the links, by the way, of your personal NDE stories, which is dazzling. I mean, that's just dazzling. Can I ask you? If, yeah. May I ask you? And I, I'll have you on my podcast at some point too. Okay. But how did that because when I talk to people who have encounters with angels or they'll see Jesus or Mary or uh divine interventions where I where literally they feel someone else take the steering wheel and keep them out of an accident. I mean, just, there are just, we've got about 200 episodes of just these most incredible stories and real. I mean, you hear the passion, you hear the tears, you hear the joy, you hear it all. When did it click for you or what was it that, and it, just that you just went, there is something so much bigger that, that, uh, that we're just scratching the surface of. Um, it was when my son was about 20 and he had a new year's eve party and for the first time i had told the story to his cousins and friends that was there um and i don't know what possessed me to you know bring it up that day um about a time when jeremy was um about five years old and we were getting ready to build our house and we, my husband and i were staying up on the hill and our three little boys was down by the creek playing we had just bought this property so we didn't know that this little shallow ankle deep creek when we had a lot of rain and snow it could get kind of deep and swift we didn't know that and so you know i thought i was you know letting my boys play four five and six you know they they were like earshot they'd be okay we're standing there thinking okay let's put the house here living room here you know those kind of things and all of a sudden our six-year-old matthew at the time yelled mom jeremy that's all he said and my husband took off running to see what happened. And it's that shrill, that scare parent never wants to feel, you know. And I was like frozen in fear. And I started praying. And I was like, please, God, don't take my baby, Jeremy. I was praying for twins. And I said, if you have to take a child today, you know, take my twins, don't take my baby, Jeremy. And all of a sudden, I'm out of my body. I'm like in the air above the hill towards the creek. And I don't see with physical eyes what's going on i have a knowing i'm just like i'm in this land of knowing I'm like oh jeremy has fell in the creek because of the melting snow and the rain lately it was easter sunday he's he's fell in and he's panicked and he's trying to swim 
but he could stand up and walk out of there. So I just start instantly praying to Jeremy in a prayer. And I say, because like I'm frozen in fear, I can't run down there. Plus, I don't want to see my baby dad. And so I'm saying, Jeremy, stand up. It's not that deep. Walk out of there. So I'm telling this story. And Jeremy, and I was, you know, Jeremy's 20 years old. We're at this New Year's Eve party. New Year's Eve party and he walks out and he says, Mom, I heard you praying. He says, that's what it was. He says, I was trying to swim. And you said, Jeremy, stand up. It's not that deep. Walk out of there. So that's what I did. And, and I know was it was. How old was he when it happened? How old was Pardon he? me? How old was he when it happened? He was like four or five years old. Okay. So about 15, 16 years before he's saying, he's finally saying, oh, you're bringing yeah. up that story. I, I heard you. Well, but we never talked about it before. I Isn't never brought it up because a week later, I died from my ectopic pregnancy, had my second NDE, I lost those twins. Right. So I had guilt that, you know, I prayed God take these children. So I couldn't talk to anybody. There was no such word as NDE. You know, and I, you know, it was just right. in this depression and all this. And I just tucked all those things away. So, you know, like everybody in the room, like their mouth dropped. And one of his friends said, that's a mother's love right there. And, you know, my son, you know, today, he's not one of these type people, you know, telling ghost stories or this kind of thing. He's a, um, a, um, accountant for the federal government, you know, so is his wife, you know, yeah. and, um, he's like, that's true you know that wow. did happen and you know but as soon as that happened i i thought this this these memories i've been pushing away this stuff really is true isn't it but isn't i couldn't it funny that that it. was it isn't that yeah. funny that 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 moment of of him acknowledging that that's interesting your, your story reminds me of one we had on our podcast and it had to do with a guy and i'm uh, i gotta remember his name i want to say bill if i'm wrong i'm sorry but um he ran this business and primarily he hired people who were um homeless who didn't have much and they were kind of paid in credit so they could get food and lot you know and a home and shelter so he kind of worked with different organizations and at this kind of waste treatment plan of some sort if i remember but anyway so anyways so he's surrounded by people who are really kind of outcasts there are a lot of drug related stories in these people and and he's just doing great work that they can have the things that we like to enjoy. And one day, one of the gals, one of the women working there, Mandy, all of a sudden drops to the floor and she's writhing and it's just something related to drugs, it looks obvious. And her boyfriend is getting down at Mandy, 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 you go, come on, Mandy. And, and the, all the workers are kind of encircling her, watching this writhing and she just seems to be out of it. And what's going on here? Probably drugs. And well, Bill, who runs this place, he starts praying in his mind. He just starts praying, you know, come on, God, she needs your help. God, she needs. And he said, it was really interesting. He said, because all of a sudden she stopped writhing and he was kind of like to put the run. He was like behind her. And so she started kind of like doing this kind of going back and looking back. And then she started writhing again and her eyes start flitting around the room again. And he keeps praying. And then finally she stops and turns and looks at him again, kind of locks eyes. She seems to be through this spasm, whatever this, um, whatever she was going through. And she, and she gets up and, and walks to him and says, thank you. And she, he goes, for what? She said, you saved my life. I heard your prayer. She said, I was slipping away. I was going to die. I felt myself leaving my body. I was going someplace else. I heard your prayer locked onto your prayer and your prayer brought me back. And to your point is that on that spiritual level, it's there. 
It's audible. I also think of someone who had an NDE whose name is Faith. She lives in Australia. She had, man, she had it all over the place. Uh, she grew up Christian, but got away, it got away. Almost became kind of a thug, she and her boyfriend, involved in criminal acts and guns and drugs and all kinds of stuff. So she has this near-death experience in which she is just, it's all, I mean, God gave her every experience, every and as you've probably had those who kind of have, they get hell, they get heaven, they get everything all in one. Have you had those? I've not had hell. <laughs> uh, you haven't had hell yet? Not me. No, My not guess, you personally, yeah. but I mean your guess, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. So in her, in her case, when she, she's at an operating table, and again, it's the, you know, above my body and I start moving up and I feel all this love and this warmth and everything. And then she says, I just got dropped into this hellish place, demons. Um, it, she said it was horrible. Things scratching at her. She's crying out to God, but he's not there. And she's crying out and crying out. And it's so bad that when she says, I love you, God, the word love cannot, isn't allowed to come out of her mouth. Instead, the F-bomb comes out. She's oh. just, she has no control because God has been totally ripped away. He is not there in this place. And she's trying to communicate with God. And she's crying, and I'm sorry, and I'm sorry, God, and I'm sorry, I love you. She's trying to say the words, and it's not coming out very well. And then after a period of time, she pops out of there. She now has the earth in front of her, and she's floating there. And she says she starts to hear music and she realizes the music is coming off the earth. It's like vibrations coming off the earth. And she realized the music is made by prayer. She is hearing the earth pray. Those who are praying and it's coming off as music. It's and then beautiful. she starts to, isn't it? And then she starts to realize that she starts to hear actual individual prayers that are for her, that have been prayed for her. And those prayers, are pushing her upwards towards heaven. She sees the, the lights of heaven and she gets to the gates and uh, she has some a lot of experiences up there too. She has their the life review. She sees, uh, as she says, I'm sorry for certain sins. They're actually blotted out from the book, which is exactly what it says in the book of Acts. Say you're sorry and they get blotted out and God forgets and all this. And she was watching her prayers get blotted out from, from the life review. Um, I was trying to think if there's anything else that what made me think of her, I, but just, just how, um, again, prayer, you know, we have no idea how powerful it is. Cause we say it, we go, I don't know if you're listening, not listening. I don't know if it has, has any effect. I don't know. I don't pray very well. I don't know. You probably, probably, and we have these doubts instead of praying with, uh, assurance that, that something is going on. But we had an episode that was, um, a couple episodes that had to do with, this, this angel that appeared to a woman named Tracy who's out in California. And it's interesting how it was set up and how this angel wanted to make a point at a particular church. And as I say, I, you know, I grew up Catholic. I'm Catholic now. My podcast isn't a Catholic per se. Uh, we'll share Catholic things. Probably, I don't care. I don't care. The whole thing is about relationship. This is all about relationship right. with, with Christ, right? And that's, that's what he wants. Wherever you are, he'll meet you where you are, but he, he loves you too much to leave you there. He's going to take you, you know, wherever. So anyway, Tracy gets this phone call one day. Not, she's not Catholic. And, and she gets this phone call from a man who sounds Asian. And she says, uh, and he says, are, are, are you going to the prayer meeting on Tuesday? And she goes, 
yeah, who is this? Doesn't matter. Are you going to the prayer meeting on Tuesday? Well, well yeah, my husband and I, <laughs> he's trying to, you know, well, I don't know who you are, buddy, you know, uh, he's, I need a ride. And well, my, uh, you pick me up, you pick me up. And she goes, okay, I'll talk to my husband. Is there a phone number I can call you? Back? Never. I'll meet you at the, and he names a corner, a time, a corner. I'll meet you there. Okay. So the husband's agreeable. They're going to pick up whoever this guy is because he wants to go to the prayer meeting. What can be bad about that? Right. They pick, he gets, he gets in the back seat and he's so excited. How many people go to your church? Oh, we get about 900 on Sunday. Yeah, 900. Oh, that's great. Okay. And then they're driving, they show up at the church, but it's Tuesday and it's a prayer meeting. And he comes in and there's just, you know, like the first couple of rows are taken up. So whatever that is, 20 people, whatever it is. And, uh, and he says, where's everybody? And she goes, what do you mean? She, well, you said 900. Well, this is prayer night. Yeah. Where's, and he walks in front of the 20, 30 people, whatever it was. And he says, don't you know? Don't you know that prayer moves the hand of God? And he gets really animated. Don't you know that prayer moves the hand of God? And he just made it so real to these guys. No one had ever seen him before and never saw him again afterwards. So he's, he's getting a ride back. Can we, can we drop you off somewhere? Same place. Just drop me off. Same. We'll take you to your house. Not same place. And so before they pull up to this corner, uh, Tracy looks at her husband and says, maybe we should give him some money. You know, I, they already picked up some food for him on the way, a little KFC chicken stuff. And I'll, let's just give him a little, okay. So they can, let's give him 20 bucks at least. Okay. So she's getting the money. So as they're, they're pulling up to the, and it's this one of these corners where it's kind of like a plaza. I mean, it's just open spaces to, until you get to the stores and they pull up, she's opening up the car door, getting the 20, he's getting out the back and she's getting out, turning towards him with the 20 and he's not there. He's gone. And it's like, what was that? And, um, a, a very credible story of probably an angel that just wanted to drop a message in on a particular church that prayer moves the hand of God. We have no idea how powerful it is that when we have those little, little flashes of someone, when we send them a prayer, when you say, God bless them, God help them. That can, when you hear an ambulance, just to say, oh, God bless him, that family, her, whatever that is, it lands. It lands in some capacity to give peace or to heal or whatever it is, but it lands. Yeah, and you're the only one that I know of that has been consistently telling stories like this because I just learned about you like last week. Yeah. And, and you know, I thought I was reinventing the wheel here and find out you've been doing this for a long time. You have such a wonderful radio voice. And it's a, it's a rental. I have to turn it back in at midnight. <laughs> Darn this thing, Peg. Darn this thing. <laughs> and because I feel that's where it's at is the stories that we all have, like it, even in the comments and on my podcast, people are starting to tell stories and like, good, you know, I want them to realize maybe you didn't have a near death experience. Maybe you didn't have this elaborate, you know, healing or miraculous, but it helps them hear, like you tell a story like that or other stories you tell, maybe I'll think, oh yeah, you know, this did happen to me one time. Like you had told the story uh, before I heard um, of the cars, it was like invisible, like they're about to hit and they went right through each other. And yeah, I've knew? heard those. <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I've There's heard no, those. It's, it's, I had no idea. When I started doing this, and I'll tell you how it started, this is almost four years ago for, for the Touch by Heaven podcast. I did another one called Blind Faith Live, which was more about hero, uh, miracle uh, healings. 
But this one is about encounter because encounter wakes you up. It's <clears throat> it, the beauty is, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not, and it's not the miracle. It's not the encounter. That's the wake up. That's the flare gun. It's like, what happens afterwards? It's like when you heard your son say that, it's like the impact it has on you, even though you've had other experiences. It, it's like an awakening. And that's what these are. I mean, Jesus healed lots of people. And you know what? They're all dead. <laughs> They're all dead. So it's not just about the healing. It's about, that, it's about that one in 10 of the lepers who comes back and says, who are you? What is this? Thank you. You know, It's the wake up. That's what, and that's what yeah. those, the, the Psalm 40 thing to me was like, this, wow, what, he's in the room. That's what got me was that God's in the room. The creator of everything is in the room. Once you realize that, then pretty soon in time, you do care what's in scripture. You do care and you read what, and you realize that everything going on now is linked to what's in there. And that is a, another journey of just discovering that that beautiful Bible, that, that it's, it's incredible what's in there and how it links to what's going on now. The last place God should be boring is in the church. And that's why I am a huge proponent that there needs to be some sort of venue, whether it's on a podcast or a YouTube channel, or preferably inside a church where, where people can stand up and say, this is what happened to me. That fortifies my faith, maybe more than anything else. That's what makes it real. Right. I, I recently heard from a deacon in Green Bay in uh, Wisconsin, and he was saying he wants to take the Touch by Heaven, kind of the, I don't know, what you call it, the program of itself, and he and his wife, I think, runs a deli, and they want to do basically kind of a Touch by Heaven uh, deacon deli you know, Saturday where people can come in and listen to stories and tell stories. I think that, that's beautiful. That is. Yeah. You know, because it, it fortifies. It fortifies the faith, like I think, like nothing else. Not everybody, not everybody gets it, but boy, because some people say, well, I have faith. I don't need that. Good for you. Have you noticed how many people are leaving the church? Because they think it's a boring God, and he's not boring at all. He's talking to us, you know, all the time. Yeah, it just, you know, I realizing, you know, without Jeremy, it was like there was a witness. It wasn't just all these memories in my head. I couldn't understand. It, this stuff can't be real is what I thought. It can't be real. Yeah. But the memories are always I the same. And then when he said, mom, I heard you praying, it was like, you know, confirmation mm -hmm. that I wasn't dreaming any of this up. If, if I wasn't dreaming that up, because that was just as clear, you know, when I, because I left my body, it was, I was praying, you know, and, and, and I knew boy, I you, did. And you've had, you've had some incredible experiences watching, uh, watching your story, really it's just incredible. And it, and it, you need a venue as you have now, or where I am now. For these, everyone says the same thing. Well, you know, I don't tell this story very often because people are going to think I'm crazy. And you hear the stories, they're not crazy. You're not crazy. I'm not crazy. Uh, this is how it works. This is, this is why the church exploded at the beginning was it wasn't just because, you know, Peter was given a good homily. <laughs> I mean, I mean, when they're praying and healings are happening and they're talk, talking about angel stories and it's, it's alive. It's, it's instead of this world we live in now, which is eh, maybe, maybe not, you know. Uh, so when I, when I thought about doing this on, on a weekly basis, I didn't know whether there would be enough people listening, let alone enough people, percentage of those who had experiences. But I told my wife, Elizabeth, what I wanted to do. And she says, that's the best idea you've had yet. And you know, pray on it. I said, well, I need to do something more powerful than prayer. So I said, Alexa, <laughs> I said, what's today's Bible verse? And Alexa gave a Bible verse. I don't know if Alexa still does or not, but 
the Bible verse was out of Proverbs. Uh, and uh, Alexis said uh, from Proverbs, whatever it was, commit to the Lord in whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. And I thought, that's it. I mean, of all the things, again, Alexa could have said, commit to the Lord, whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. In other words, you want to do this? I'm with you. And away we went. And I, I had one story. I knew I had one good story, maybe a couple others, but you need that good first story. And it was a fellow podcaster run school of podcasting, Dave Jackson. And, uh, and I heard him tell it on his podcast and I went, Whoa, you got to tell this on mine. Cause it was back in the early nineties. He was, he was going, he was in college had a girlfriend, uh, I think future wife, and he was dropping her off at her apartment and he's pulling into a, into a parking space and standing right next to him in that empty parking space was this guy had a hoodie on and whatnot. And the guy says, get out of the car. And Dave says, no, I'm good. Thanks. Get out of the car. And it's like, Dave knows this is not going well. And he tells his girlfriend, don't get out of the car. We're getting out of here. He quickly slams it into reverse, kind of does a T to drive off. But in the process, and this guy was just six feet away. That's looking at him in the process. He hears this bang. He hears what sounds like, like it's almost like a brick hitting glass. These are shattering. He doesn't know what he's hearing. His girlfriend yells out. He's shooting at us. Yeah. He's not, no one has guns in Akron <laughs> and off he goes <laughs> and he drives to where he works, which is a uh, hamburger joint. Cause sometimes police officers are parked there enjoying their lunch. And it was that night or day, whatever it was. But anyway, he drives, drives there. And sure enough, there was a police officer and he pulls up and he says, do you see something? There was a guy, it could be a brick. I, they're glad. And he says, roll up your window again. He rolls up and there's this black smudge on his window. And he comes over and checks. He says, he says, that's from a bullet. The bullet from six feet away, aimed right at Dave's head, hits the glass, leaves a smudge and he's pulling away. So it's kind of like, it hits, bounces, ricochets, hits the metal of the door and puts a hole in the metal. There's a hole in the metal where the bullets went in. And he's just, and he's just like, what? None of this is making sense. None of this from six feet away, a bullet. And it bounces off this glass. So Monday morning, he goes in to talk to his uh, physics teacher. And he said, this guy was great. He was just absolutely great. And he says, okay, I got one for you. True story. Friday night. Here's what happened. Lays it all out. And he's, you know, bullet. I'm trying to picture the speed of a bullet distance six feet away and thinness of glass and metal door. And, and the guy says, ah, oh, that's easy. What? He says, somebody upstairs likes you. <laughs> I mean, there's, there is no explanation why Dave should still be alive. Um, but you know, we've had more than, than one story where a bullet should kill somebody and didn't kind of swatted out of the air there, you know, but you mentioned the stories about like uh, cars going through cars and stuff like that. When I got my first one, I think it was from uh, Mike Daigle. It's in, it's one, it's in a book he, he wrote in his case, uh, they had a, like a, I don't know, it was an RV or some kind of vehicle. There's, but anyway, he also had a, a truck. No, he was in a car, but he has to go get help. It breaks down. He's in, it's in the middle of the night. It's like midnight and he's driving. It's near Mount Shasta, I believe in Northern California. And at that time there was like this really thin road. You got a mountain on one side and there's a lake on the other side and rocks. And, and there's this little stretch where it really is just one lane. And he had been on it before and he always kind of wondered, boy, what happens if somebody's coming from the other way and showing up and Mike's coming and here comes this truck, this pickup truck from the other way. He found out later, this guy was just drunk out of his mind. 
because he's not slowing down. And it's just they're heading for each other. And Mike said a quick prayer. And he said, all of a sudden, everything's Casper the friendly ghost. He said, everything you could just see through. He said, I could see through to the, to the pavement. I could see through my car. The other car is passing through. So we're going through each other. And it's kind of like, you know, his head's going, you know, and they're looking at each other. And they get to the other side. Everything goes solid. Mike gets out of his car, dazzled too, goes over, raps on the guy's window, and, you know, roll down the window. And the guy, and the guy says, no, <laughs> the guy says, no, I'm just like you, buddy. Nothing. No, I'm nothing special. I just went through that too. And he rolled down the window and he could, you know, he saw the guy was drunk, smell it probably. And he just says, uh, I, uh, yeah, I just experienced that too. Cause the other guy's like, did what just happened? Just happened. Yeah. And Mike says, I'm not sure why I'm saying this, but you probably got, you probably have a wife and a couple of kids, right? And he says, yeah, I do. And he, and he says, this may be your last warning to stop drinking. He says, I don't know if that's the message or not, but, uh, as far as I can see, that's the message that you should stop drinking. And he always wondered what happened to that guy. And I said, he's probably on another podcast, right? now. <laughs> he's telling the same story, but that started people who would hear it or they'd hear me on coast to coast AM with George Norrie telling stories. And I'd get more stories, Tom driving down the highway and it's at night, his wife is asleep next to him. And he's, he starts to witness this huge car crash in front of him and cars are, are smashing into each other. And there's this point where these two cars have come to a stop basically in front of him. And they've got, you got about this much space between the two cars and he reaches over to his wife to kind of alert her. Oh my God, hang on. And he's just kind of, he's, he's going to smack right into him. And then he's suddenly on the other side. And there was this much room and suddenly he's on the other side and his wife wakes up and going, what's going on? He says, look back there. And she's looking back going, how did we get through that? And he says, I have no idea. And he said, should we stop? And, and cars, meanwhile, are still crashing and tumbling through and they can't, they're in a position they can't, they can't do anything at that point. But I mean, he got a hold of me and then Tracy gets a hold of me and she's talking about how she's turning right onto the street and another car is kind of joining her on the, on the left, uh, the, the left lane. And so she's got nowhere to go as she sees that at a Jack in the box restaurant, the line is out into the street and she suddenly realized she's going to, she's going to T-bone this car. She's turned and boom, and there it is. It's just that. And she's on the other side. And it's like, what? Jane, she's driving. She's driving because she, 20 years ago, on her way to uh, her, her dad was dying. So she's kind of rushing home, and her mind is on her dad. And she's out in this kind of rural area, where highway meets highway, and she's, her mind isn't totally on the driving. And she, she's, she's pulling onto this one lane that then goes on to this other highway. And she doesn't realize she's just pulled in front of a semi. So there's 18 wheelers behind. She looks in the rearview mirror and she, and this guy is just on her. And she has, she has no, and she has nowhere to go. She has nowhere to move. And she just says to herself, brace for impact. And then it's in front of her. And she is like, what? And she's shaking. She pulls over and she hears a voice. And the voice said, not, not your time. I assume her angel not your time. And then she drove, drove, but uh, again and again, lots of voices in cars, lots of times when people are at an intersection and they're waiting for the light to turn green and it turns green. And then suddenly they'll feel hands on their shoulders from the back doing this. So they take the foot off the accelerator as the 18 wheeler goes by and blows through a red light that happens over and over again. 
uh, or they'll come to a light and again, waiting for the light to change. And they'll just have a thought, maybe an inner voice that says, what's the hurry? And it'll, and it'll pause them for just a moment long enough for again, a car, a truck, a semi, something to go blowing through a red light. I cannot believe how many times I have heard this story, how many lives have been saved. And then you get into why, why those people? You know, why not me? Why not Bob? My, my uncle Bob, he died in one of those. Why not him? I don't know. I have no idea, but there, there are enough of them that that by itself should fortify faith. Some people get mad, Peggy. Some people get mad as uh, I think about a, there was this one truck driver story. Uh, his name was Joe and he was late at night. I think he was, I think it was Virginia, I think, but he was driving and it was black eyes and he, he's, he kind of went blank for 20 seconds. He said, he said, I can't explain this, but all of a sudden I'm losing control of the truck and I'm out. And when I come to, and I'm looking out, I, I see shrubbery, uh, I'm stopped. And then I realize I'm upside down says <laughs> I am upside down and I real, and I'm hanging from my seatbelt. And he's, he undoes his seatbelt to crawl out. He's, he's fine. He's not hurt. He starts crawling out. And as he starts crawling out, his, his cell phone rings. It's like midnight again. And it's like, he told his wife, don't call me when I'm on the road. It's just not safe. I don't like answering the phone unless there's an emergency going on, but otherwise don't call me. Well, it's his wife. And his wife says to, as he's crawling out, he, he's getting out and he's kind of looking at the situation. And his wife says, uh, I know I'm not supposed to call, but I just got this really strong nudge. I need to be praying for you. Like something's going on and I'm praying for you. Are you okay? And he says, I am. I've been in an accident, but I'm okay. I'll call you back once I figure out what's going on here. And then he starts, and then vehicles start pulling up and police start pulling up at some point. But he said, he started walking away and looking at it. What was crazy about the crash is that he was upside down. He's, he had a double rig, you know, he's got a trailer behind his, he's, he's got two loads, right? Two, you know, what do they call those piggybacks? What are they called? The whole th the entire piggyback had like someone had taken their giant hand, flipped it upside down and laid it down. It was in a row. They hadn't separated. It wasn't all mangled. It was just totally upside down in a perfect line. And he looked at that and he said, that's impossible. And everyone who came by, you know, it's like the police officer came by and he sees him going, anybody seen the driver? And he says, yeah, that's me. And he went, you were in this, you know? And they just, they were just dazzled, just amazed. And this, I mean, just a hand of God. I don't know how else to explain something like that. And, you know, what if these stories were on the news every day? What if people that had these oh, events had a place to call in and they're automatically and where they can investigate, you know, this happened and yeah. et cetera. And, you know, why don't we have that yeah. on the news? <laughs> I, amen. You know, amen. I mean, these are great stories. Uh, and that's why I say there should be a venue. I mean, isn't it a shame you're not hearing that in church? It's a shame wow. you're not hearing it in church. Uh, you're hearing it out here, which is great. It's on the internet, it's on podcasts, on YouTube. It's, you know, wherever it all ends up, that's wonderful. But meanwhile, people are leaving the churches and no one goes to the back door and goes, I'm out of here. I don't get any of this. Because these experiences, again, as God has always done, he does the miraculous to get our attention. Miracles happen to get our attention to say, there's something going on here. There's something special going on here. 
pay attention. And then once you start getting to know who this Jesus guy is, who this God guy is, and you kind of want to read about what they said and how it all, and, and that's the, at the end of this life, there's another life and there's an afterlife. And depending on what you believe and how you act and it is, is love important to you? Because if, if love was the last thing on your mind, you know, there, there's a, there's a, there's a destiny for all of us. But if there's love in you, and I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm, I always go back to Matthew 25 because a lot of people get so caught up in, I believe this, and this is the only way it is, and I have it figured out. And Catholics, you got it right or you got it wrong, and Lutherans, you got it, and we're just picking each other apart. We're all on the same team here, guys. We're all on the same team. Got a little different flavors, but we're, we're all on the same team. And, and in Matthew 25, just to point out what Paul says when he says, you know, we talk about love, faith and uh, charity, or is it faith, love, faith, and hope? And he, he says, the greatest of them is love. Love is greater than faith. Love is greater than faith. Jesus in Matthew 25 is talking about, he's separating the sheep from the goats. Who's going to heaven? Who's going to hell? Did you feed me? Did you clothe me? Did you visit me when I was in prison? Did you give me drink? That, he's going through this whole thing. And it's like he's, 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 he's boiling it down to how did you treat each other? You know, you can know the Bible frontwards and backwards, but, but if you're leaving the church, then running the guy down who's in your way on the road, maybe you miss something. Uh, love, love is it. Love will take you to God if you don't get that, 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 that God is love. It, it, it is all about love and how we care for one another. You know? There's a... And, Something that happened one time I don't talk about because, I mean, it sounds crazy and maybe it is crazy, but um, my husband was getting the classes to become Catholic because I was married to a Catholic before I got divorced and, you know, got our marriage annulled, you know, and so we were going to have our um, get remarried in the church. We got married in Vegas uh, on our 10th anniversary. This is a long time ago. And so anyway, my husband was going to these classes, become Catholic, and I was going to the classes with him and um we're getting to know the people pretty well so i was getting relaxed and and so i had mentioned something that had happened to me recently and i was too dumb to keep my mouth shut about it i guess and so <laughs> i said uh i was praying recently and i was telling god you know i prayed to you my whole life but i can't see you i want to see you like i felt i had a right to see him like i don't know why i felt that way but i did in that moment like I want to see who I've been praying to. And this whole group of people looked at me, rolled their eyes and scoffed and walked away. They didn't even want to hear what I saw because I started to tell what I saw. Suddenly something appeared in my vision, you know, in my head. And um, they just laughed at me and just uh, walked away. And the priest stood there and he said, so what did you see? You know, what did God look like? And I said, the best I could describe it is the cowardly lion in Wizard of Oz. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and as you were talking about symbolism, because that certainly is in the Narnia. And that was written with that in mind. Uh, you know, and I, I don't know the story all that well, but, but I know that he, the characters had to do with, uh, it, it's, it was all about God. It was all about Christianity without saying Christianity. So I don't know if there's something in that. You know, and, and people see certain things. I, I, I know some people have near-death experiences. Have we mentioned my podcast, by the way? Did we mention Touch by Heaven? Go ahead, though. Go ahead. I, I, just, I just don't know if we had or not. I don't, I don't know if we have either. Probably not enough. Uh, uh, but anyway, it's called Touch by Heaven, if you want to look for it. Touch by Heaven, Everyday Encounters with God. Um, 
What was I going to say? What were we just talking about? We we're talking about the, uh, lion, the cowardly probably. lion. Yeah, yeah. I was going to take it from there. Wonder where that was. Uh, you mentioned something in the Bible. It says something Narnia mm -hmm. or something. Or what you said? Uh, well, that's that's the uh, yeah children's books that aren't really just children's books, but you know he 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 speaks to us. God speaks to us in any number. This is His creation. Buddy, uh, a listener of mine to the Touch by Heaven podcast. He's he's driving along. His name is George. It's one of my favorite stories. It's real quick. He's driving on the highway and he's a little ticked at God. He's ticked, and we can all get a little upset because things aren't going right. And why do you allow this? Well, it was a friend of his who was going through health issues and marriage issues, and he's he's praying in a very loud way. He's saying life sucks. He just keeps saying life sucks, God. I just want you to know, my buddy, that he deserves better than this, and life sucks. And he turns the bend, and there's a big billboard that says, "Life is what you make it." <laughs> you know, and that to me is God speak. That's God speak. It's like, look for those. Look for those. How do you know he's not talking to you? How do you know? Uh, there, there have been a bazillion of those. I get songs because of what I do, because I, I'm an evangelist, if you will. And I was on the radio. God thought it would be really cute. And I do too. I'm not disagreeing. But he, the, to give me music, music bubbles up. Sometimes you hear a song, I won't leave you alone. Spiritualize the lyrics and see what happens. Right. I'll give you I an example. Too. Wake up with do the you? song. Yeah. Spiritualize it. What what else could it mean beyond the obvious of what, you know, an example would be years ago when I first started uh, podcasting and speaking in churches and stuff like that. Uh, the song was Phil Collins Against All Odds. And the bottom line, it's uh, turn around, look at me, turn around, see where it used to be. Uh, turn around, see me cry. Uh, against all odds, I'm going to I'm going to wait for you to come back. OK, why was this? Why was this song not leaving me alone? Who's singing the song? Jesus. Who is he singing to? The church. Where are you going? Turn around. See me cry. Turn around. See where you used to be. And against all odds, I'm going to wait for you to come back. And I don't mean necessarily just the church as in the gathering. Yes, that's a, it's a good thing. Church gatherings are a good thing. We're supposed to do that. It's always been set aside for that from Old Testament to new. Find the right one for you. Find out where it feels right for you. You say it doesn't. All right, but keep looking because Upon this rock, I will build my church. 1 Timothy 3 then says, the pillar and foundation of truth is the church. That's been true for 2,000 years. The pillar, that's an amazing statement. And if that's not true, the Bible's not true. The pillar and foundation of truth is the church. Astounding. So should we gather? Yeah, yeah, we should, as much as we can. And so you, you get these, these, these messages that where he's trying to wake us up in a variety of ways, and dreams, oh my gosh. I had, okay, I'll give you one, I'll give you one. I was about to give a talk about Mary. It was, it was Her birthday is September 8th, Blessed Virgin Mary. It's September 8th and someone asked me to give a Mary talk for, uh, for her birthday, I said, okay. So it was Friday before the Sunday that I was giving this talk. And this is kind of a Catholic thing, but uh, there's something called Eucharistic adoration. We believe the Eucharist, the consecrated bread is Jesus Christ. Uh, that it happens during the Mass when he says, when he repeats the words of Jesus, this is my body, this is my blood, that it actually changes. And there's science behind it, actually, a number of Eucharistic miracles. But anyway, I'm sitting there, and um, I'm uh, praying, and I, I did something I do every now and then in Eucharistic adoration. I fell asleep. Normally, my, my wife would, you know, uh, create a very powerful <laughs> encounter with the end of her elbow. Uh, but in this, in this case, she wasn't there. She was over at the office. And I was there, and I just fell asleep for, I don't know, a few seconds? I don't know. Had a dream, woke up, 
and started analyzing the dream. I mean, based on where I was dreaming, is God going to do something with this? And he did. Here was the dream. And I'm in Cleveland. I was at a Cleveland Indians game. Guardians? Mm, Cleveland Guardians. I'm still going to try to get used to this. Anyway, I'm at a Cleveland Indians game. It's a night game. I'm down on the field suddenly. I'm in foul territory between uh, home and first, and suddenly it's a Little League game. And the team in the, in the out in the field wearing pristine white uniforms. They look pretty bad. Eight, nine years old. And the opposition, real dark, shadowy characters. Start getting the symbolization here. And uh, ground ball to the second baseman, where I used to play in Little League. He throws home to get a force out on the runner, but the catcher with his foot on home uh, isn't wearing any catcher's gear. But the guy's out at home, end of dream. <laughs> now, God knows what I know. He knows what I know. And so I started analyzing this dream. Symbolism. What's, what, are the, what are the Cleveland Indians in this thing? They are, what does it symbolize? It actually symbolizes the Catholic Church. Why? Indians are one of the uh, oldest uh, organizations in baseball. Catholic Church is the oldest organization in the world. It's been around for 2,000 years. Okay, what else? Who's that in the field? That's us, children of God. Who are we playing? We're playing against evil, against the evil ones, all right? But the thing that paused me for a second was the catcher. Why isn't he wearing any catcher's gear? What, what is that about? You wouldn't happen to know the slang term for catcher's gear, would you, Peggy? Pardon me? Eh, time is up. <laughs> <laughs> for valuable prizes, Peggy. Chosen <laughs> just for you. Uh, the answer is, they're called tools of ignorance. Why? 100 years ago, a uh, Major League Baseball catcher coined the phrase because it's like you're smart enough to be playing baseball, but dumb enough to be the catcher because you're getting beat up back there with the, with the bats and the balls and the sliding and home plate. And you're getting killed back there. So, so you're every, all this gear that you're wearing called the tools of ignorance. Well, in my dream, the catcher had stripped away his ignorance. Ah, what's the message for me, Trapper? Strip away your ignorance. This is what it was about. Strip away your ignorance about the church, about Mary. What don't you know? It's fine what you do know. But don't stop there. So I started taking classes out of the Augustine Institute in Colorado. There's, an, uh, there's a website called forum.org that's available. Uh, just tons of, of usually free material. Um, and I just started doing deep dives and, and listening more and more to sermons and homilies of the best of the best and, and, and learning more and more. And it's, it's never ending. You, I mean, but the bottom line is strip away the ignorance so you know what you're talking about when you are called to talk about whatever it is so that that's a case where a dream meant something it wasn't just craziness you know you, do you analyze your dreams do you try to do that no i don't analyze my dreams but i wake up with a song that like, i mean okay. i heard in a long time it'll be so clear like i even know the words i didn't think mm -hmm. i knew the words to it and then like i'll look up the song or something and i'll kind of feel like I, like i understand what was i call it the language of heaven mm -hmm when we are giving these messages in various ways. Um, when you were talking about the Catholic church, I remember one time I, you know how, if you haven't been to church in a while, you can't go accept communion until you went to confession. And I just right. don't like going to confession. And so right. I just soon, you know, just keep missing church and pop in when I want, but I don't go at all anymore because I'm just not comfortable. I have like social anxiety and stuff but anyway. So I was like kneeling, you know, at the, pew while everybody else is accepting communion and i was feeling guilty like i should be doing better those kind of things you know 
And all of a sudden, like right in front of my eyes, I saw, like, I, I believe they were God's hands. They were these big open hands, like together and making a big palm and a Jesus and over the cross was smaller over top. And like the bread of, you know, Jesus was wounded, was coming down and filling in the, in Jesus' palms of his hands. And I just felt, it was just a personal thing. You know, something only I can see, only something I can experience. And I just felt blessed that I was shown that. And it kind of made me feel like it was okay, that I didn't have to yeah. go up there and take the the bread and the Kool-Aid, you know, from the priest that wine. I was just shown that. Not Kool-Aid. We don't have Kool-Aid. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, it's wine, which it's is wine. precious blood. Yeah. It's wine. Yeah. But in your, in your case, I think, he, yeah, he was showing you, you were re receiving spiritual communion. I, I believe you were that you were, yeah, you were receiving the Eucharist in a, in a, in a different way. Yeah. Uh, I take it, it me... I take it. You believe that that is Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Cause there's no way you, if you didn't believe that, that would not have occurred. That would not have happened to you. I don't yeah. think that would have happened. Cause I was feeling guilty and bad, yeah. you know, that I'm not a better person that I can't, that I can't go up and receive the body and blood of Jesus. And I well, was just feeling, sinners. you know, we're all sinners. You know, and I, you know I was just, it. that's all I was doing. I was well, just I sitting there feeling really bad. Like, you know, I shouldn't have this anxiety. I should go to confession. I should, you know, so I should come every Sunday so I can accept this. And I'm just feeling like a schmuck. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's just appears so clear. And that's, you know, so yeah, I, I, I want, I want to address that because um, again, he'll meet us wherever we are. Right. So on one of the episodes, uh, I try, I try, I try to remember names of who does what, and I'm, uh, it might be a guy named Brian, maybe, but anyway, bottom line, here's the bottom line is that what he does. And this, this particular episode had to do with the wide spectrum of how we're all under this umbrella if we want to be. So on one end of the spectrum is this guy who takes uh, other men out to go hunting, who can't afford to go hunting, uh, a lot of veterans, a lot of it where, cause sometimes it's really expensive depending on what it is you're hunting. But what he'll do is he'll take them out into uh, the wilderness, if you will. And, and they'll be there at the darkest, coldest part of the night, maybe three o'clock in the morning. And they'll just be there in the blind. And what this uh, gentleman wants these guys to experience is the beginning of a day of beginning of God's creation. And so you may start hearing the rustling of deer or might start hearing insects as the sun starts to come up, but you start hearing life and he wants the guys to experience that life. And then at some point the sun, you know, bursts forward and he wants them to understand that somebody created all this. This isn't just some big accident that we're on this rock going around the sun, which is swirling around inside our solar system, which is swirling around around a galaxy. And there's a, billion billion galaxies out there and it's just all you know like where did all this stuff come from that maybe as that beam of light from the sun smacks them in the face maybe something will register about god's creation because as he put it he says you know most guys don't go to church most people don't go to church he says so that can kind of feel like church for some people just walking in god's creation hearing it feeling it sensing it okay that's on one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, kind of where you were talking about, there was this gentleman who had been baptized. He was in his 30s, but he hadn't gone beyond that in his sacraments. 
and he was at, I think it was at a funeral and he's in a Catholic church and he's Catholic. But so anyway, he's, he's sitting there and he suddenly sees this beam of golden light shoot out of the tabernacle and it kind of does this flicker and then just gets him right in the heart and he feels it. And he's looking around like anybody else seeing this, anybody else experiencing this. And then he had another experience later when he had his first communion of, of seeing things and experiencing things with the bread and, and, uh, and the, what's called um, the precious blood, the wine after consecration. So anyway, so he has these experiences and underneath all of that, God is meeting us. And he, again, he just wants the relationship. You start the relationship, he'll take you wherever you're willing to go because he will take you. He will take you. And, and we, again, we get caught up and we make, we make Christians, the bad guys with targets on, on their back and they're just people trying to get closer, closer to God. I find it so interesting that basically if you're doing it right, you're not even living for yourself. You're living for him. You want to be more like him. Isn't that interesting? It's less about me. And, and in, in the last hundred years, there've been 70 million martyrs in the last hundred years, 70, no, excuse me, in the last two, 2,000 years, there have been 70 million martyrs, but 35 million, half of them have been in the last 100 years. When you look at what's gone on in the Middle East, in China, in Russia, and in some places where just people die because they're Christians of what they believe, there's a lot of bad things happening to Christians and Muslims in China right now. And when you realize there's just a lot of evil in the world, and when people want to live for God, that can get you killed. Meanwhile, if you just want to live for yourself and just into my own world and do whatever I want to do and just party all the time and it's all about me and building whatever I want to build in this world and building my kingdom, I'll let you pretty much do that. <laughs> you know? But when you try to live for somebody else, you're a target. That's amazing. You know, it's not even about me. It can get you killed. It seems to me like that our government is trying to, the liberals, Democrats are trying to make republicans christians i'm lumping everybody in categories that i shouldn't but they're trying to make christians look like we're dangerous like we're going to be yeah, unhinged yeah. and, and, afraid and we're I, do something and i know a lot of democrats who are who are, who are christians too so it goes on both right. sides so yeah i i would say if you're a christian there's a target on you and that you, you you can either be a part of the world or, or or not be a part of the world that's that's always our choice you know it's always but what that's what's so cool about a lot of these touched by heaven stories is that they become conversion moments um i, I love the story this was a woman in australia named karen and she had not a christian she and her husband were not christian she gets off the train she's walking home and uh She's walking home and she, she sees down at the other end and she's down the, down the street on the other side of the street, walking towards her. She sees three guys who are carrying something heavy. Can't tell what it is, but they're obviously struggling with something that has a, looks like a bed sheet over it. And they're walking her way. It's kind of like, yeah, whatever, whatever that is. And she's walking on. And then something happens that hadn't happened before and hasn't happened since she heard a voice and the voice said, when they drop it, look the other way. And she's kind of, what? Do you hear me? And she's kind of, yeah. And she starts answering out loud. We assume her guardian angel, uh, when they drop it, look the other way. Do you understand? Yeah, I understand. This is serious. No, I get it. You're serious. When they, and he keeps basically badgering her. When they drop it, look the other way. But then he starts having fun with her. He starts kind of sometimes singing it. When they drop it. 
<laughs> I mean, she's just having this joyful two-minute walk with this angel, we assume, as she's watching these guys walk towards her with this heavy thing, whatever it is. I said, oh, can you, it look like a dead body? No, she said, I don't think it looked like, my thinking was like a big, heavy old television or something. And she said, I don't know what it was. I don't know. Got a bed sheet over it. And they're walking. I'm watching them. And she keeps, and all she's hearing for two minutes is when they, they're, they're going to drop it. You're going to, and you're going to, I know I'm going to look the other way. It gets to the point where he says, okay, uh, I'm going to leave now. They're about to drop it. Make sure you look the other way. Okay. Okay. This is the last you're going to hear from me. Okay. So she's walking her eyes forward. And sure enough, from over here on the other side of the street, she hears bang. And she, obviously the sounds coming from there, but she looks over here, you know, storefronts or whatever it was. And she's straining and looking like, where did that come from? Hmm. She keeps looking over here. And at some point after several steps, she, uh, you know, looks towards the straight and narrow here, looking down the road and off she goes. And then she hears from the other side, a guy yelling out, no, no, it's okay, man. She looked the other way and she looks over and there was a guy coming her direction who then is turning around because obviously the sheet had come off the thing, whatever it was visible, whatever was not to be seen, could have been seen. And once he had been called back, but she said, what struck me what were the words of the guy who called him off. No, it's okay, man. She looked the other way, exactly what the <laughs> angel had said. So she says to her angel, thank you. No comment, no answer. Hasn't happened since, but it started her thinking. It, it opened up a door, that shaking of the shoulders, that shooting off the flare gun. And within three or four years, they were both, uh, baptized into uh, church of England or something. Um, and, and, and love their faith. Absolutely love their faith. It always gets me when I watch like I survived stories, the show I survived, or even any kind of survival stories. A lot of times they will say something like a voice told me to go this way. Say they've been in the woods and they're starving. They can't find their way out and they're about dead. And all of a sudden, a voice will say, do this. Or a woman is in a car with a man. She was hitchhiking and a voice says, don't make him mad. And they find out later that, you know, he had killed a girl before or something, you know, and those voices and people will say casually all the time without realizing what I think what they're actually meaning and don't know it is when they say something just told me. Yeah. And then they don't even get it. That that yeah, well, was and you an know, angel. sometimes it is a nudge, sometimes an inner voice, sometimes it's a, uh, this guy, Mike was rafting and, uh, there's a point where at the end of the, your, your whitewater rafting, he, uh, they, they, they basically say, if you want to get out of the raft, you can now it's, it's calm here. So you can just get out and float down the rest of the way if you want to. Okay. So Mike and his buddy get out and jump in, you, you kind of put your feet in front of you and down the river you go. Well, there was a whirlpool that they didn't see. And He's, he's, Mike saw his friend go down and he knows I'm headed for the same place. And sure enough, he goes down and I mean, he's down, he's underwater and he's like, oh my God. And, and he's fighting to get up. He is fighting and he's just not moving. He's fighting to get up and get some air. He's, he's just about at, and he hears a voice say, let go. And it's like, and, and again, he's still fighting. Let this second time, a little more firm, let go and he finally says so he just goes limp and that's when he realized he was up he was he was fighting to get down he was so out of whack 
And when he let go and he shot up, pops up out of the water, but he had to hear that voice, let go. Otherwise he would have drowned. And so he popped out. He looks across on the other side of the, the river. And the other guy had popped out too. And they're both just shaking their head. Uh, but yeah, voice after I, there are so many stories with, with, with voices involved where, and often it saves their life. You know, it, it redirects or sometimes reassurance. There was, this one wasn't a voice. This was a guy by the name of Richard, uh, whose dad just, I think he saw his dad 10, 20 times total, not a good dad. And he had another family, I think after this family, he wasn't a good dad there either. But anyway, so he finds out along the way when he's about 10 years old, that he's got uh, half brothers, you know, he's got, he's got brothers. And, he, and so so he starts looking for them. He starts, you know, he's trying to, you know, he knows their names or he thinks he knows what their last name is. Thinks he, he has the first names. He might have the right last name. So he's trying to find out, you know, and over a period of a bunch of years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever he's looking. And back then it wasn't, you didn't have the internet to really search it out. But one day he's at work and he feels, and he's like, he was like a, it wasn't a UPS driver, but something like that. And he feels a tap on his right shoulder and he looks and there's nobody there, but it happens at the very same time. Somebody is saying, Oh, Steve, da, 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 similar to the last name he had heard about was his half brother. And he looks over and it all clicks. It's a tap, a look over. Oh, and he, he suddenly realizes he's been working with his half brother for 12 years and didn't know it. <laughs> and he's, and the guy sh shoots for the break room with snacks and everything. And he shoots back and he says, Steve, Steve, uh, your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, yeah, not a nice guy. Yeah, yeah, I know. You fought in Vietnam, right? And then he became a this, right? Yeah. He's, he says, Steve, I'm your brother. And they, he's, suddenly there's this awareness that they have found each other. They never got close, but at least it kind of sewed things up of what, of what he was looking for. But it started with a tap at the right precise moment so he would make the connection that Steve and that last name that wasn't quite right that he had, that was the guy. Yeah. Crazy what they do for us. Crazy, these angels, right? And you got one, you're watching right now, you got an angel right there parked right next to you. Pretty cool. It's just pretty cool. Been with you your entire life. And that leads me to another story. A nurse, she had just found out she was pregnant. She's at, uh, she was at a new work. I think she went to a different hospital or something. And there's this coworker just staring at her, just staring at her. And later the woman comes over and goes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to figure something out. I'm sorry. It looks like I'm staring at you. She says, sometimes I see angels and you have two. Are you pregnant? <laughs> she goes, I just found out. Yeah. I'm like, whatever it was, six, seven, eight weeks, whatever it was. And uh, yeah, I just found out. Okay. That explains it. Okay. Yeah. You have two angels. <laughs> so they're there early. They're very early. They're very early on the job. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, Where do you want to go next? Well, it just seems like, you know, it's just a matter of learning to listen, pay attention, and not deny these things. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's just being open to it. And this is a world, I, like I said, I left the boring God. I, I, left the, I left the God that was just so boring and vague and distant out there. And he is communicating. I, I know. Because some people say, well, he's not communicating with me. I'm not so sure. I think this stuff is going on all around us, but we're just not catching it. We're like, as I say, we're just not catching that, that little flare gun moment 
of whether it's a song or a billboard or an email or something you see on a television program or something a friend says or a nudge that you feel inside or whatever, whatever it happens to be. Um, I, it's just over and over again. I just hear the stories over and over again. So I, 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 after a while, it's not even faith. It's just knowing, you know, I, my faith is dwindling because, because I know uh, he, he's there in, in all forms and capacities. We walked in my mother-in-law's house one day and she's look what I did. She had a bruise on her shin. She fell outside. It was no big deal. And all of a sudden I heard this word in my head so loud. I just had to let it come out of my lips. I said, wound care. And I was like, that is going to need wound care. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever said those words, wound care. And wouldn't you know, she ended up needing wound care. That did not heal right. And I was ended up taking her a couple times a week to wound care because it got this big hole inside of it. And then home health was having to come to her house and pack it and take care of it. The thing wouldn't heal. It's like this bruise, just like, I don't know how, like a hollowed out inside. And like, who would have thought a, just a simple bruise on a shin, you need wound care. But it was Wouldn't just care. so loud. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, one of the things, uh, want to talk science a little bit? Because sure. we have been brainwashed into believing there's no science in faith. There's, there's science all over the place in faith. And my, if, if I had just my choice of one miracle, this is the one I would tell. This, is, this was meant for the world. It was is that the global, lady of Guadalupe? Or I can't say it right. That, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Guadalupe. It is the, it is you so you heard me tell that story right yes i love that story Be did my you guest. know any of that did you know any of this no i did not and that's a shame Jasmine. oh my gosh oh my gosh okay so here's the story if you don't know the story it's 1531 uh there's a guy by the name of juan diego living uh he's kind of a new christian most of most most of uh the population in this area of mexico are aztec pagans who were doing these wonderful things like sacrificing their children to the gods you know make them happy so this woman appears, she appears to be about 19 years old. She appears to Juan Diego when he's on his way somewhere. And uh, she basically says, uh, I would like a, and he, he's, I think he knows it's Mary at that point. But she says, I, I want a church built up here. I want you to go to the bishop and tell him I want a church up here. Okay. And who are you? You know, uh, I'm Our Lady of Guadalupe. Okay. So. He goes to tell the bishop, bishop says, that's nice. She's got to do more than that to get me to build a church up there. Okay. Well, anyway, this one day he's wearing what's called a tilma, which is his cloak, which is made out of cactus. These things last 15, 20 years, maybe that's about it. They just deteriorate. And, I think I read uh, 15 years. That's about right. Okay. So, and so Mary takes his tilma and this is December 12th and there's <laughs> roses growing at a, Unusual time up on this little hill, uh, Cas Castilian roses, I think it was called. Anyway, so she places the roses in his cloak, wraps them up, and she says, okay, take these to the bishop. Don't let anybody else see these roses until you show them to the bishop. And goes to the bishops. He's waiting to see the bishop, comes in, and here are the roses, unfurls, and the roses come out, which is a miracle in itself. There were roses, but there is an image imprinted on his tilma of a woman and what's interesting is that she's standing in front of the sun she's standing on top of the moon she has stars she's uh the symbolism says that she's pregnant i mean there's all this symbolism going on and what jesus has done what god has done is he's he's gone to revelation chapter 12 the woman clothed by the sun standing atop the moon 
12 stars, um, pregnant, ready to give birth to the male child who will rule over all nations. He's done a copy paste onto this cloak. And the symbolism, again, with all the flowers that are in it, because she's uh, she looks like she's indigenous to, to that area. That's what she looks like. The symbolism says that she is from heaven, but not just from heaven, that she's the queen of heaven, Mary. It says that she is a virgin, but pregnant with God. Everything about Christianity is in this image. And it was so profound and so strong a message that 9 million Aztec pagans almost immediately became Christians. Four years later, all of a sudden you have 9 million that were now Christian. Interesting, this happened at the beginning of the Reformation when 8 million Catholics had just left the church and and become Protestant. It's almost like this this balance of what's going on 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 the other side of the world. It's, It's fascinating what's going on, but that's not where the story ends. Advance 400 years to get to the 1900s. Now we can use some science. Okay, so now, how is this thing not deteriorated? It should go after 15, 20 years. We're out about, actually now about 500 years out, and it's like new, still, hanging in this basilica in Mexico City, Our Lady of Guadalupe Basilica. Okay, so the scientists start looking at this thing. What is this image made from? They still don't know. It's not from here. They do not know what that substance is. Temperature of the image is 98.6 degrees. She is standing in front of these stars that were in the exact location that the constellations were located on that day, December 12th, 1531. Only not from Earth looking up to the heavens, from heaven looking back. It's inverted. She's from heaven. Then they looked into her eyes, and books have been written about what happened in the eyes, and they shined light in the eye, and the eyes actually constricted. They have all the properties of an eye, of how some things are right side up and upside down, because when they look down into what would be the retinas, basically, when they look down, hidden for 400 years, that you now could see microscopically, right side up and upside down, just like a real eye, you see Juan Diego, you see the bishop, you see the cloak, the roses, 12 other people that were in the room looking on is all there in both eyes. Anybody tells you there's no science, in Christianity, five words, Google Our Lady of Guadalupe or YouTube Our Lady of Guadalupe. There are some dazzling documentaries about this. I read a book, wish I could remember the name of the book, but it, I'm just scratching the surface. Of then it, it won't make the cover of science magazines, will it? Uh, not likely, not likely. I mean, that's just, hello? You know, and as I, I, I give priests, excuse me, I give priests hail all the time over that one. Why are, I, I you know, I, I'm 190 years old just about next birthday. And, and I have still not been at a mass personally in which I have heard that whole story told. And to me, that's it. It's the story of Christianity. It's science, it's conversion. Uh, that, that story all by itself could still be converting people. If people know the story. It just seems like we're doing a disservice by not teaching children at a young age these kind of things and how to recognize them and to that it's okay to talk about them if you see something hear something um to have to be able to talk to someone and them explain um you know what i call it you know language of heaven so whatever you know they would explain that uh, usually you're just told don't say that people think you're crazy or or don't make up lies and 
you know, if, 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 if whether it's an old person on their deathbed that sees something and people say, you know, there's no way, it just seems like it goes out throughout our life. And it seems like we're missing out on so much knowledge that because these things are, do help us put things in perspective. Uh, you know, I, I, I agree. I think we make it tougher than it has to be. It's storytelling. Just tell us true story. I, I don't, I don't do that much. Um, uh, I don't try to convince anybody of anything, to be honest with you. I, I, I really don't. I, you hearing me, I'm telling stories. That's what I do. I, I can talk about what my own conclusions are, but I, I tell stories. Um, and there's always been doubt, you know, there's always been doubt. There's a, there's a particular Sunday, usually in June, I think called uh, Corpus Christi Sunday. And, uh, and if you ask a Catholic, why do we celebrate Corpus Christi Sunday? They'll go, uh, uh, what do you mean? I mean, you know why you go on Easter, you know what Palm Sunday is, you know what Christmas is, you know, you know, all these kinds of things, but what is corporate? Well, that means the body of Christ. Yeah. But why is there a Corpus Christi Sunday? And generally speaking, most people don't know. I had to Google it. You know, I figured I there was know. a miracle involved in it. And sure enough, there was a miracle. It was back in like, I think it was 1263. There's this, and this is a Catholic thing again. So it's just, it, if, you, if you're not Catholic, who cares? It's just a story that you might want to know. And if you are Catholic, it's a story you probably don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't, keep in mind, it doesn't matter. It's just a flare gun moment where God is saying, hello. Okay. 1263, there's this German priest and he's traveling near the Vatican. And he's, he's doubting anything happens when he says, this is my body. This is my blood. He's, you know, does anything really happen? Is it, or does bread just stay dead bread? Does it really come alive with Jesus? I mean, you know, and he's doubting. Well, at this particular mass, when he's, there's a part where the bells are ringing and he's holding up the host, it began, the host began to bleed and the blood started dripping down his hands and arms and onto what's called the corporal cloth on the altar. And at first he started to, he tried to hide it and then he just started to cry because he just realized after going through this doubt of what he was being shown. So he wraps it all up and he travels, I think it was 10 miles to go see the Pope Urban at the time, who sees the evidence. And then he gives the, uh, he believes him obviously, and he, he tells um, who became St. Uh, Thomas Aquinas, he said, put together a mass so in a year from now we will celebrate Corpus Christi. And so ever since 1264, we've been celebrating Corpus Christi. And what's interesting about these particular miracles is that when they look at the blood, anytime something like that happens, and it's happened dozens of times, when they look at the blood, it's always type AB positive. Always. Huh. That's interesting. Huh. Always? Always. Uh, when bread turns into something other than bread and they take a slice of it and send it off to a lab without telling them what it is, the report always comes back the same. <clears throat> huh. Heart tissue. Always heart tissue. Huh. I wonder whose heart. Uh, always from the left ventricle. Why? That's the part of the heart that's keeping you alive right now. It's pumping the blood. So you, you just keep seeing these things over and over again. So again, and most Catholics don't believe that that's, that's Jesus, you know, you know. Once upon a time, 100% of all Christians thought it was Jesus. And then, you know, time moves on. And now 30% of Catholics believe. And, you know, obviously Protestants. Well, I've met Protestants who do believe. So bottom line is, uh, it's now a, a, a minority that's getting smaller and smaller. So to me, this is one of those Thomas moments. Jesus did not chastise Thomas for not believing. He said, um, if you need to check me out physically, okay, uh, Put your finger into my wounds. Put your hand into my side. He invited him to be physical in proving to him 
that he was alive. And he said, my Lord and my God. So I think Jesus is just doing a courtesy, if you will, for us as well. Uh, you don't believe uh, the story? Well, then let me give you some science in this. So maybe you'll believe this. If you follow the science, something's going on here. It's somebody. It seems to always be the same person. It's heart tissue, left ventricle, type AB blood. There seems to be something going on here over and over again that maybe, maybe that'll it'll wake people up. You know, I used to get on uh, near-death experience groups and do a little poll and ask, if you've had a near-death experience, what's your blood type? And although negative blood makes up like 10% of the rural population, it was around 85% I was always getting of near-death experiencers and they had negative blood, but really? the positive mm -hmm. blood people would get really mad. And they would say <laughs> that I was trying to say they didn't have a near-death experience because they were positive blood. And I was like, I didn't say that. I was just curious because I had read something. It probably wasn't true. And I was just testing it out. Something on the internet said that People that have negative blood are more spiritual. And I thought, huh, well, let's find out if they have more near-death experiences. And according to all these polls I was doing, they always did. So I quit doing it because people I, have, I, have, I have not heard that one. I would say if there was anybody more spiritual, it's women, just so you know. Uh, you guys just come by it easier. I, for whatever reason. I don't know. I, I find it. Guys, guys have been described this way is that you know, if you, if, if you go into my church, you're going to see it's 80% women, probably, you know, uh, in any particular mass. But, um, and we've kind of done that to ourselves too. But the other part about a guy, when a guy goes spiritual, goes deep into his faith, uh, I don't know, women just tend to be more mercurial, you know, the, the ups, the highs and the lows of guys maybe are a little bit more steady, but I would say women are more spiritual just by nature, if you will. I don't know if you're finding that true or not. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. This is just, I'm not even evangelizing. I'm just kind of looking at the people I've met along the way. I don't and know. Where the stories seem to come from, you know. I don't know either. I don't know. Just guess. I, I know in the past I've seen where uh, people were asking for male near-death experiencers because all they were getting were female. <laughs> they want to put some guys in there. I don't have any trouble. I get about 50-50 guys. Yeah. We had, uh, of course, Howard Storm is one of the celebrated cases. Uh, I don't know if you're trying to get him or know of him. Have you? I met him. Did you tell me about that? Um, a girl that was in my had an NDE group and she wanted to reconfirm something like that, her baptism, and she didn't have any family. And so I drove like two hours to go. I said, we will come be there with you. We got a hotel. And she had mentioned um, as we were making our plans that, uh, well, I knew it was Howard Storm's church and uh, that she had met and talked to him before. And I thought, well, I wonder if, he would agree to meet with us the night before he rededicates her baptism. And so he's, oh, yeah, sure. And I'd only talked to him one other time. And that was a whole different story. I was on the phone. And so we met with him for dinner, my husband and I and this lady. And we spent probably three hours at the restaurant sitting there talking. And then we went to his church the next day and she got her baptism. And then we went to lunch with him and his wife and this lady afterwards, spent a couple more hours. And it was great. Yeah, I mean, and that's a great case of an atheist being awakened. And again, that's that's the design in in some cases. I mean, some you're either going to go uh, deeper into your faith, uh, or you're going to find your faith. Or, you know, that that was his wake up call to go through everything he went, everything demonic, and then with Jesus, life review, seeing how Jesus. Yeah, I, the part I remember from the story is that 
he watched Jesus' wounds fester as he watched Howard's life being shown to him. You know, those sins were painful. And, uh, and then I love it when he could see the lights of heaven from where they were. And he said, I want to go there. And he said, no, you have to go back. And he said, well, what do you want me to do? And Jesus says, love the, love the person that's in front of you. No, no, but what do you want me to do? <laughs> he said, love the person who's in, who's in front of you. It, it's harder than you think. And then he gave him that little nudge and back into the uh, hospital bed he went, you know, to explain to his wife who left him and took the kids. And, and then he became a, then became a pastor, you know, started up his own church. So, And he was suicidal at one point, and he was about ready to do it. And he remembered his dog he thought he would take care of my dog so he didn't do it after he had come back or was this before i i believe so he was in that turmoil period yeah i believe yeah. so it can, it can be difficult his oh, wife difficult. left him you know after right his experience right. and everything so i believe it was yeah things happen i know a lot of a lot of people come back from these incredible i think about this gal faith i mentioned who who could hear the prayers of of the earth it sounded like music when she was at the gates I, God is so brilliant. I mean, he's just beyond all comprehension. This is what he said to her. He said, you can come in. However, I want you to see what will happen to your boyfriend and to your boys if you do. And he showed them and they would have ended up in hell. Uh, there was, there, she, he was, she was shown a suicide time with uh, one of her sons, watched her boyfriend and the road he was taking, that it was the road to perdition that they were on. You can come in, but here is what's going to happen to them. <clears throat> so I think this is what qualified her for heaven was the fact that she said that I'm not coming in. I, I have to go. And so she came back purposely to save them. So they would understand that they were on the wrong road and reversed everybody and got everybody on the right path. Yeah, that was my fear at 25 years old when I was in the bright white light in front of God. And, you know, I threw a fit, you know, I, I won't stay and all that and went through these different things. And, and then ultimately I accepted everything. And then I had another fear at the last moment. And it was, you know, cause I, I said, okay, it was like the bargaining time. You know, okay. You know, I accept, you know, that I'm going to stay here and um, that I'll see my boys again someday when they're old men and they die, you know, I'll be here for them. And then this fear just slammed into me. What if, uh, you know, cause as mothers, we worry about everything. We get to worry about one thing, worry about another. And it was like, what if they're so angry that they lost their mother at such a young age, they hate God. And that just terrified me all over again of these. And I just started sobbing and my hands come up in front of Jesus who's sitting beside God. And I say, who else will teach them about you? And then I'm back in the wheelchair. And, you know, for the longest yeah. time, I thought, you know, I promised God I would teach my sons, you know, which would have been going to mass. You know, my ex was Catholic, you know, we get, you know, the kids was, you know, into the church and we went every Sunday and holiday and all. So, you know, I feel like I was doing my job, but then as I got older, um, it, it felt like not so much of teaching my boys that just, it was just impactful that I just said that and then was back that I was giving my life back. And one people of my favorite said, parts about your story. That's one of my favorite parts when I was watching your story was when you said, when you said to Jesus, who will, the, who will teach them back, teach them about you. And then bam, you were back. That, that was a very strong statement by Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it's lifelong statement, like in your face uh -huh. daily, you know? Yeah. Now do it. 
you said it now do it right <laughs> yeah and, but people and come for back decades, and they go through a lot of turmoil yeah go ahead pardon me no go go and for decades i didn't even you know i did tell my nde a few months after that for a couple of people but then i you know kept it quiet because there's no word nde i thought it only happened to me and they people looked at me strange and so i just you know what are you gonna do about that and then you know it took decades before i actually started coming talking about it because i had to know it was real myself i can't just go around talking about something that i think how can that be real there's no way that can be real i don't understand i have this strong memory and i know it was real but to, for those words to come out of my mouth and they come out freely now that i was in heaven in front of god and jesus and da 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 but when those words first start coming i would shake because those aren't normal everyday words that's not a language we talk in that and what do you think people are looking at you when you say those you know they're going to look at you as wow isn't she crazy is she a liar is she trying to get attention i didn't want all that and so i think with age and wisdom we learn to just speak your truth and that chips fall where they may so you did have a life review I didn't even know when people, I first started hearing about life reviews, what are they even talking? I think they're making that up. So I can't think of what, then I realized I had a life review, but mine was me telling God my life. I was showing God my life because I said, I, I was blurting out all the child abuse I went through, all the instances of child abuse to show God how dangerous it is on earth without a child having a mother's love protection. Cause that was my experience. And I didn't want one thing that happened to me happen to my kids. And so I, this is why I was like, and so it was like a life review of like the abuse. Like I was showing God all this stuff. And then it just like was sped up. Like you would turn up the speed on our old record player. And it was just like out real fast. Like he wanted it over with and done. And it was just like this white clear vomit. like. Like it was made me feel like nothing bad could be in this space. Like the things I was talking about was so bad. It was like, it was like God knew he understood. I'd had to keep going on. And so, you know, if I had a life review, it was me reviewing the abuse and telling God. Okay. Cause uh, you're familiar with uh, the illumination of conscience. Have you talked to people about that at all? No. What's that? Uh, that is, there are people even here I think we all get this at the end of our life. It's kind of what Howard Storm went through where he sees all the sins. There are people who are, a lot of people, a growing number of people who are experiencing that now where they'll have this moment where every sin they have ever committed, it's like flashcards, just one after another. Not only do you see your sins, but you see the ripple effect that when I did this, that made that person do that, which created this over here. So you really see all the havoc that you have created while you've been on this earth, all the th things that you need to be sorry for. It's a very difficult thing. People are always in tears over it. Um, I've, I've talked to so many people, many of them connected to Magigoria over in Bosnia, where Mary's been appearing since 1981. Allegedly, depending on what you believe or not believe, but I just can't believe how many people I've talked to have had this experience either before going, while they were there, or after they came back. So there's this experience where they they are so sorry for all their sins and it's a changing moment and there are many mystics out there right now and have been saying for hundreds of years one of the you know, that's it's going to happen near the end of this age is that we are all going to go through this at the same time some believe it's going to be happening in this generation like soon like any time now uh that we will all go through this. I'm thinking right now about this one gal, Dawn, who she 
she was in a, this is how it started for her. She was in a bar. She used to drink till she blacked out and she's in this bar. She's with friends and she hears a voice that says, is this the life you want? Is this the future you want? And as she's looking around to the different people in the bar, she knows somehow he's stealing from his company. Uh, she's cheating on her husband. Uh, he's, you know, she just like knew everything. It's like, what is going on while hearing this voice? Is this the life you want? Just want to get drunk again. She leaves her friends, jumps in the car, drives to her church and is parked out in the parking lot. And Jesus and Mary came Mary to kind of hold her and comfort her while Jesus gave her this experience of this illumination of conscience. Mary constantly saying, my son loves you and, and forgives you. And, you know, so she's going through this whole, I'm sorry. He's kind of giving her her life review, if you will, showing her at the end of it all, she just felt so comforted by it. All. And it was life-changing. It completely life changed. That, that moment flipped, flipped her so much. Well, what the mystics say is that we are all going to have this at the very same time. And, and that devil is going to be kind of put aside for several days. And we're all going to know that there is a God. We're all going to have this experience. We're all going to know there is a God. And then the devil is going to be allowed to come back. And most people, they say, will go back to their old ways. They're going to go back to their old ways and life goes on. It's, it's going to be kind of like, here's your last chance. Here's your last act of mercy before a whole lot of stuff is going to be coming down with involving antichrist and a whole lot of other things. So some people we're, believe we're in that. Yeah. As I'll say, do you think we're in end times? You personally, I, I, I think if we're not in winter, we're at the end of autumn. If it's not quite here yet, where the leaves are falling pretty hard right now. Um, yeah, I would say we're kind of, that's, yeah, I'd say we're nearing, we're nearing getting into the, if we're not in the end times, we're kind of in the season where we're about to, you know, I mean, when you look at even what's going on right now between Russia, the U S Ukraine, all that, that doesn't bode very well. Um, could be a sign of something going on. Uh, just, you just, you know, but, uh, yeah, I think something's up. I think something's up. So, yeah. I had a voice tell me a couple months before we ever heard of COVID um, that it would be in my lifetime. Interesting. I, and a lot of people have heard that too. You know, really? Now, what makes this a little different is that, you know, there, I think everybody for the last 2000 years has been thinking that, I mean, even St. Paul talks about he, Jesus is coming back any moment now. You know, he, he, the apostles thought any moment now he's coming. They thought then that he was coming back then. I think for 2,000 years, people have kind of thought we're in those times. Any moment now, any moment now. But, you know, and, but we've heard about all, all the crazy stories of whatever evangelist out there who gathers his people and off they go to the mountains because here he's coming back for us and he's going to meet us on the mountaintop or whatever. What makes this a little different is who's saying it to me. There are people out there who carry the wounds of Christ um, who are saying it. There are mystics who have been right about stuff before who are saying it. Um, there seem to be some things lining up. Uh, so I tend to, I tend to believe that something is up, but you know, be careful who you're following. Be careful, uh, to discern discernment is, as you know, Peggy, discernment right. is so, so important, no matter what your experience or what somebody else's experience is, is discerning what happened what the message really is. Some people come back from NDEs, as you know, and they are 180 away from, from what maybe what you and I are talking about. And it's like, what led you to that road? You know? So 
Um, that day I was just making the bed and just kind of praying as I'm, you know, going along and, you know, this before any COVID or any of this stuff. And I, my mother-in-law had just passed. And so we were staying at their farmhouse, taking care of his dad. And, um, I was just making the bed and I was saying, huh, you know, I always wondered if the end times would be in my lifetime. I guess it's not because I was getting closer to 60 years old, you know? Right. And I guess it won't. And all of a sudden it just come upon me. No, it will. And it was such a knowing. I mean, I'm not trying to scare no. anybody. I'm not no. saying anything bad, awful is going to happen. I'm just saying it was just such a no, no it will. I'm like, oh, it was just, just like something you wouldn't argue with. It's just like, yeah. oh. And it's not to be frightened by. I, I'm I'm not frightened by it. You know, it, I know it's going to get, uh, by all accounts, going to get ugly and crazy and horrible for uh, anybody who's around. And the has a say in the Bible, something about those who are, we're going to envy the dead, you know? Um, but I also believe that if you look at them, look at Noah, there's always, there's always an escape. There's always an escape. There's an escape route. If you take a look at, uh, at Noah, um, yeah, the rest of the world went, but there were, there were, there was this faithful family and they were saved. There's always a, a last ditch saving grace, if you will. Um, you can talk about Moses and the, uh, and the Israelites making their way to the promised land. Well, we're supposed to be doing the same thing at the end of our, you know, was, at the end of that time, uh, everybody just other than two people had died before going into the promised land. Moses died too. But then they crossed over to the promised land. Well, we're we're doing the same thing in the transfiguration in the Bible. Moses says to to Jesus, he starts talking about his exodus. You know, the cross is coming up Good Friday, and we are part of that exodus. We're supposed to be picking up our cross and following him. Where are we going? We're going to the promised land too. You know, it's called heaven. So there's all these parallels: Old Testament, New Testament. And at some point, he says he's going to be coming back. He talks about, uh, Jesus said, when things are happening where they shouldn't be happening, what would be the number one place for that? In the church, in the church. So you have that battle inside the church right now. Church teachings, I know in my church, I love church teachings, but it doesn't mean everything good is going on inside. And when you start looking at, just keep an eye on the church and the churches where they are. When things are happening where they should not be happening. There's a lot of that going on right now too, so. Uh, something's up. Something's up. We something's smell a rat. Okay, well, we just haven't I, found it. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, and there's going to be an antichrist. We know that it's biblical. You know, the, the spirit of the antichrist has been around since uh, since the beginning. We we read that in the Bible as well. It's always been there, but a little more manifestation coming up. Yeah, I do believe that. And, and you know, whether you believe it or not, really doesn't matter. It's all about where your uh, where your soul is now, isn't it? I mean, because the end can come anytime. The end can come today for any of us, you know. Yeah, the end, for us the individually, end. you know. We never, absolutely. Nobody's. And the end, you know, maybe uh, maybe you heard wrong and maybe I got it wrong and it could be a thousand years from now. I don't, it really doesn't right. matter. It really doesn't matter other than um, to be ready. It just it changed the way I live my life. Okay. You know, I'm not trying to persuade anybody else of anything. It just, yeah, it just changed. It just, the way I look at everything going right. on. I, I was talking to one woman who she had in her vision, uh, she saw, you know, St. Paul talks about meeting him in the air for those who, you know, some people, there'll be a rapture. There won't be a rapture, mini rapture, big, you know, who, uh, you know, whatever it's going to be um, before the antichrist afterward in the middle of, I, you know, I, I, whatever, 
how, whatever your interpretation. I'm not here to battle over that, other than what she saw was there's Jesus as all these millions of souls are heading up. Angels are there, Jesus is there, Mary is there, and she also said she saw a third of the world on fire. That would seem to be appropriate. Things always happen in thirds. Angels fall in thirds, and there's always that third. Um, but that was kind of her vision, too, is that, that it's coming, and her sense was that, once again, this generation. The first moment I was in the bright white light at 25 years old before I saw anything else, all I could think of was like, you know, like if you pray right now, how you talk to God, it was just like that. Like I didn't see anybody or didn't feel like anybody was close yet. You know, I was just like alone in this white light. I knew it was dead because I just went through the tunnel and through galaxies and now I'm in this white light. And so I was saying, God, you need to start sending people back. You, you know, you need to, because it was like, wow, you know, the God, Jesus, Bible, it's real. It wasn't the heaven I heard about in Sunday school. It was just this bright white light, you know? And so, but I knew I was dead. I knew it was somewhere else. I wasn't in a grave. It wasn't maggot meat. You know? yeah. I was here. I was somewhere. I was like, it's real. You know, this, there is a place. And, you know, I assumed, I guess I would go on and see other things, but I was just, just got there. And I was like, you need to send people back and, and let them know that this is real. And it's really come home to me that moment when I'm doing my podcast sometimes when I'm having near-death experiencers on and they tell them they were in the heaven and they experienced this and um and then you know talking to you and you and these are the stories I think people should be talking about on a daily basis over dinner instead of politics and other things and is you know hey I heard this story that you know Somebody was almost a car wreck. And, you know, like I, like I have my stories of near misses and car wrecks that happened the last couple of years. And, you know, and people look at you like, I've already heard that, or that just sounds weird or so what, and they just want to talk about the new car they're buying and, you know, those kind of things. And um, it just seems like spirituality is on the back burner. And I feel it ought to be forefront, but that's just me. Yeah. Well, I, you know, and I, I, I just, I love the stories. I love this. So they'll fortify my faith too. I, as uh, a lot of times, you know, people have this um, fascination with angels and angels seem to cross, you know, all faiths. It's just kind of like angels, you know, there seems to be a realization. So they're kind of unifying in that regard. But I remember t talking to, there's certain things that seem to reoccur. One of them, uh, one of our listeners, Zoltan, uh, he owns his own trucking company and he was driving through St. Louis and five lanes. He's in the middle lane. He's going to move. His exit's coming over. So he starts to move over, but his steering wheel is locked. He can't turn right. He can't turn left. It's locked. He's going 60 miles an hour and it's locked. And he's just, he's starting to panic because at some point this road's going to bend and he's, he's, he can't move the steering wheel. And he's, so he starts to take his foot off the, the gas a little bit to slow down and that's when he sees the car come out of his blind spot and pass him once that car is out of harm's way his steering wheel moves freely and he moves over and it took him he pulled off the road he's checking his truck going what what and then it kind of dawned on him he said that, that that had to be divine intervention that that was just and that kind of story happens over and over again this one gal, Olga, originally from Cuba, was telling me the story how she's about 20 years old, zipping through traffic on her way to the mall, and she's not 
she's just flying. She's not paying much attention. She's not checking her mirror. She's not doing much of anything. She's just zipping, wants to get them all by a blouse. There she goes. She's going and she's going to get into the left lane. And again, as she's going left, she feels this strong tug to the right so that she stays in the lane. So she's trying to go left. She's feeling the tug back to keep her in the lane. And that's when the 18 wheeler, another double goes flying by. She says, I wasn't even looking. I'm not checking my mirrors. I'm this thing. She said, I would have been a red mist. She said, she said, and it's not just my life that was saved. I started thinking about what would have happened between my car, that truck, all the other traffic as this thing probably would have jackknifed and everything else. How many people would have died that day? And all that, and all the people are driving have no idea how they just been spared. How many times in our lives we're, we're oblivious to how many times our lives have been spared by an angel or whatever, you know, a couple years uh, ago, my husband and I working on the pipeline. He's a welder and has his welder helper. And they had, I don't know the distance long, long, of distance of the pipe we welded together and they're all up on these orange cones off the ground and the day before it towards the end of the day we had run out of cones so they use the they call them skids they're railroad tie like things these heavy boards and they make like a cross and then set them on that and because we ran out of the rubber ones and so there was only a couple of those skids. And then the next day we started in finishing up the last section of welding this pipe together. And we were almost done. And all of a sudden somebody got in a hurry while the uh, supervisor did. And they were down on the other end where we weren't working and thought we were done with that last weld, which I had just been underneath that pipe. And this big, round, huge metal pipe. And I had just been under there with my grinder, grinding my husband's weld. And actually, no, he had just been under there welding. And I was under there with the grinder at that moment. And unbeknownst to us, the supervisor said, go ahead and drop the pipe. So you had this like half mile of pipe now on an instant on the ground. The only thing that saved us from being crushed, because we were still on that last end of that pipe, was those couple skids, because the the uh, plastic cones all dropped to the ground where the, the those those wood um, skids wouldn't move. And the only thing is, all this, and we're just standing there, and I felt <laughs> the pipe move. And I look and it just drops like a domino, one long domino onto the ground and hear this last, you know, maybe um, 20 feet is the only thing it didn't fall. And that's where we're at. And you walk around for a few days, just kind of touching, am I still here? <laughs> and my husband, yeah. are you still here? Are you still in one piece? And I would go back there sometimes and just stand that spot under them trees and thinking, I could just picture my kids coming here and seeing where we were killed, you know, yeah. after our funeral or before our funeral, you know, come to see the spot where we like, how are we? So how did we, if it wasn't for running out of skids, um, I mean, I'm sorry, running out of cones and having to use skids, we wouldn't, we'd have been cut in half. I know. And over and over again, I, you, you remind me of, um, former, uh, our fire chief out of New York, Danny Sheridan. He has so many firefighter stories. Uh, the number that were saved on 9-11 because one truck wasn't where it was supposed to be. So these other trucks waited with all their men. There's like, you know, uh, 
umpteen dozen more, hundreds more firefighters would have died that day, but they were waiting for another truck that was late, you know, that kind of thing. <clears throat> or he tells the story about old warehouse, abandoned warehouse. They have all, all this machinery is inside this, this warehouse, this abandoned warehouse. And they're fighting this fire and there's guys up on the roof and they're down below. And, and he says he's inside as he watches a firefighter break through the roof. It had collapsed and he's breaking through and he is falling 30 feet. And there's all this machinery in there. He's going to be impaled on something and he lands and they rush over and where he landed, there was a mattress where homeless people had dragged it in and placed it there an inch this way, an inch that way. And he's impaled. He lands on the mattress. And he tells story after story mm -hmm. about that kind of thing. Firefighters, police officers, their lives are saved so many times. Oh my gosh. Because, because they're caring for other people, you know? That's why I think nurses have so many experiences too, or experiences with people who are about to depart, uh, you know, because the, they're great caregivers as well. Uh, lives saved. The, the one that just flashed my mind now, a guy by the name, a guy by the name of, uh, who goes by Cowboy John. <clears throat> used to be in the rodeo and uh i think he lives in arizona now but anyway john um was in the army vietnam era did a lot of things he wished he hadn't things he was ordered to do some things he wasn't ordered to do so by the time he got out of the service he he wasn't right and he knew it he just he felt and he went into a huge depression lots of drinking lots of you know just street drugs, if you will, just, or just over the counter drugs, anything that could just take him out of this world for a while. He just kept getting deeper and deeper into it. He had a lot of guns. Uh, so he started one day, he decided to end his life. He decided to end it. So one night he's in his home and he's labeling things. <clears throat> this, uh, this computer goes to, you know, so-and-so this gun goes to so-and-so this, my jewelry goes to so-and-so my Jeep goes. And he's just, he's just writing where everything is to go, grabs one of the revolvers, a 45, gets in his car and heads out in the middle of the night. And he, he finds this little town, little strip mall area, goes behind it, behind where an Arby's is located. There's no, it's three o'clock in the morning now. And he's sitting there behind and looking around and he's all alone. He's gonna end his life, picks up the revolver, starts to point it, and suddenly there's this rapping on his window. And it startles him. He puts the gun down. There's this old black man and he's wearing rags. He said, but he's, but he's clean. He said it was really noticeable how clean he was. And he rolls down the window and the guy says, I don't know what brought you here. All I know is I'll give you everything I own. I'll give you the clothes off my back, which were rags. If you will pray with me for one minute, John says, one minute, what's the difference? Who cares? Okay, yeah, give me your prayer for one minute, then I can do this. And he begins his prayer with something like, Lord, forgive us for everything that we have done. Help us see the joy that is you. Help us see the beauty that is around us. Help us see the blessings that we've all been given. Anyway, whatever, all the things that the black man, angel, who appeared out of nowhere was saying, touched John, and he just starts to cry. And he just puts his hands over his face and he says, I've got, I'm crying, I'm bawling, I've got snot flying everywhere. I just lose it at the prayer that this man is saying. He said, I, I, he said, I, I cried for about 30 seconds and I looked up to thank him and he wasn't there. 
he was gone just as as he had come he was gone and he starts his i mean this is no time to leave the conversation you know and suddenly <laughs> this guy wasn't there you know this is not the moment where you go gotta go so and he just starts his car and he starts driving around the back of the and in the front of the road he just drives around looking for this guy doesn't see him and he knew at some point when he just paused to think about it he knew god had sent an angel at the most critical time for him so he went back he called the va he got some some help i said how long did it take you to get back to being john again just good old cowboy john i said about 18 months but i but i but i got back and he ended up doing evangelization work for a number of years uh god is good why john why was john's life spared i don't know maybe so that you can hear this story now well, why didn't he save so and so i don't know right. uh i don't know because he is the only one who knows how all these puzzle pieces fit together. He's the only one. Sometimes one of the songs that plays in my head is that song, like a circle in a spiral, like a wheel within a wheel. Da, 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 da. Anyway, and that's, that kind of symbolizes for me how he's just spinning all of it. He's the only one knows how all the gears click with other gears and affect this over here. He's the only one who knows. So I don't know why this one and not that one. I don't know why you've had to suffer through X and why didn't have to. Nobody gets out of this world unscathed. We all hurt, you know, we all, as time goes on, I just see more and more of the pain. Uh, and I just see the pain that is, is life, that Facebook is a facade with all this wonderful lives of everyone sharing these happy little moments and like, you know, and it's, sometimes it's comical because, it's, okay, share your happy moments because sometimes I know these people, I know the pain they're in too. We all have pain, we all have pain. And but every these now stories and then, give people new eyes to see through. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I know so. I know they have makes, for me. I know they changed me. That makes me think of um, my mother-in-law was uh, in the hospital about to uh, in Columbus, about to have heart surgery. And she asked, I think it was going to be the next day. And she was getting scared. And she asked if... Uh, someone would say a prayer and she asked one of her sons and he said, no, mom, I can't. And nobody volunteered. Here's his brother and sister and my husband staying there. And I said, well, I will. And so we all held hands and said a prayer. And I felt this unity and this, this lightness, and, you know, just how you feel during a prayer. And so um, I said, okay, we're gonna go to the cafeteria and get something to eat. My husband and I went and we left and we came back from the, um, just as we were leaving her brother, Roger called. And um, we come back um, she was still on the phone with Roger and I thought that's kind of strange, you know, whatever. And, uh, when she got home from the hospital, Roger come to see her and she's, I can count on one hand, the times he's been to this house. I lived there like 40 years and he is not a Christian person, not a spiritual, I mean, nothing. And he says, I have to tell you in person. He's, I wanted to wait till you got home to tell you. He said, something happened when you called me or when he called her and they were on the phone together when, at, when we were at the cafeteria which would have been right after that prayer. And he said, as soon as you started talking, he had a buddy with him in the car. And he said, the inside of the car filled with bright white light. He says, I heard this stuff on TV and movies. He said, I thought that's just Hollywood. That's not true. He says, I cannot explain what happened. He had to pull off side of the road and his friend got out and went to Walmart or something. And he just sat there. He says, and finished conversation with her. He said, the whole time, he's, I'm telling you, the entire inside of that car was like this white cloud. It was bright white light. And so I saw him later 
the place he always hangs out. And I thought, I'm before we walked in the place, I thought he's going to be here and I'm going to ask him about that. And he was, and I asked him and he'll still say, oh yeah, let me tell you about that. And he tells it the same way. He says, I, he says, I thought that was just Hollywood. I didn't believe in that stuff. And so, you know, I don't know, you know, like it was a coincidence. It was just right after a prayer. Like, you know, I never happened before. And, you know, just things happen. And um, his girlfriend keeps telling me, you know, that, that he needs, you know, prayer. He needs to get with God, you know, these kind of things, you know, and, and he's just using it. And it didn't really change his life. All it did was open his eyes to these things do happen. He had read my book. And, and he was starting to open up to kind of these kind of things. And then, you know, so you can lead them to water, but. You know, yeah, I, and God not. is merciful. I mean, God kind of does this fly around. I, he kind of comes around, offers himself. No, not ready yet. Yeah. Okay. Wait a little while. comes back in. I, I, that kind of happened recently. Um, we had a story again, you know, one of these kind of car going through car things. Only this time it was motorcycle versus semi. And this, I get this. So I'm on coast to coast AM with George Norrie. And this guy down in Florida, Kevin, wakes up. He, he, went to, he went to sleep. I guess the radio was still on. And he went to sleep and he wakes up right in the middle of me telling, you know, this car through car kind of story. And he, in that moment, he goes, oh, I had one of those. And it had to do with being on a motorcycle. He was traveling. I think he was in Texas, small town. He says he's approaching an intersection, 40 miles an hour. He's got a semi on his right side and two lanes both ways. And, and he's kind of on this, uh, on the center uh, lane. And there's a car coming and there's a semi behind it. Well, when the car coming towards him was slowing down to turn into a parking lot, the semi kind of went around him and put, it, put itself in the motorcyclist lane. And there was nothing he could do. It was like that fast. And he was just suddenly, oh my gosh. And then he's on the other side. And he's angry. He's about to turn around, track this motor, uh, that the semi truck driver down just to let him have it for killing him. And then he realizes I'm not dead. <laughs> he was so ready to be dead. I'm not dead. And he pulls over and he thinks about it and he says, that's just what the heck. Okay. So he's kind of been down his own spiritual track, which is, you know, his own individual track. But uh, with what we're talking about here, there is a track. And so it's interesting that his guardian angel, if you will, woke him up to hear that story so that he would contact me so that he would maybe hear other stories on Touched by Heaven or maybe just talk to me. I don't know. I just feel like it was God kind of coming back around again to say, hey, what about this? Other people are experiencing it, and here's, here's what their belief is. So what about this? So, um, you know. I guess we uh, all so can does, pray does, for new eyes to see, you know, yeah, to be able to yeah. recognize these things. Hey, I went, like I said, I went 30 years, not blind in the physical way. You know, <laughs> the spiritual way is a whole lot worse than the physical way. When you're just blind to right. God's immense, immenseness that is all around us. This is, you know, it's just, uh, he's here. He's in the middle of all of it. I appreciate your time. I didn't mean to take up so much of your day. <laughs> this has been, a, this has been a pleasure. Is, is everybody still with us? Uh, let's see. Anybody drop off? We'll find out. <laughs> I think we'll still have some hanging in there. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, those who hung in, valuable prizes could be yours. Peggy will now tell you what you've won. <laughs> Not, uh, no, this has been great, Peggy. I've, I've really enjoyed this. And uh, if you have a story, by the way, uh, come and listen to the podcast, Touched by Heaven, Everyday Encounters with God. But if you have a story, contact me at touchedbyheaven.net. Uh, I'd love to talk to you about uh, what's happened to you. There you go.
All right. Thank you. All right. I have to talk to you again. Okay. All right. And I, I'll have, be happy to be on your show. Just let me know. Oh, that, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll schedule something here. Thanks for this, Peggy. Uh -huh. Appreciate it so uh -huh. much. Bye-bye.